Hey, good morning. And uh, welcome to River Glen. Great to be with you. Uh, great to see you. River Glen is a multi-site church. We're one church in multiple locations. And so welcome everybody here in Waukesha. And a big welcome to those of you on the other side of the camera in Pewaukee and online. Uh, wherever you might be, uh, thank you so much for making us part of your uh, weekend. And uh, it's great to be back. I was on uh, vacation and uh, got to spend some time last week uh, with family. We spent uh, uh, some time in, in Denver. It was beautiful. Rocky Mountains are just uh, gorgeous. Uh, but I got stuck in, in two traffic jams. We got some heavy traffic around Denver. And, uh, you know, there's not much good that happens in a uh, traffic jam, but I had some time to think about it, and I realized there's one upside to a traffic jam. It gives you a moment to look ahead and read the bumper stickers on the cars in uh, front of you. Don't, you. don't you love bumper stickers? Bumper, bumper stickers are, are fun. Uh, they're entertaining. Here's a few of them, uh, like this one right here. Be nice to your kids. They'll choose your nursing home. That's actually some good advice. Yeah. I used to be cool. And uh, what kind of vehicle is this right here? Yeah, minivan. Maybe some of you can relate. Uh, lost your cat. Uh, try looking under my tires. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I told Pastor John uh, Howard to take that off his car. Um, that's just mean. Yeah, bumper stickers are entertaining. They're short, concise sayings that try to convey clever, insightful thoughts. But over time, I've come to realize that, uh, you know, they may not make it onto bumper stickers, but Christians have many short, concise sayings that try to convey spiritual wisdom in memorable phrases. Uh, here's some examples. Uh, everything happens for a reason. God helps those who help themselves. God is my co-pilot. Show of hands. How many of you have seen these or heard these sayings before? Yeah, pretty much uh, everybody here. But here's the question that we have to ask. Are these sayings true? Have you ever stopped to really consider the theology behind these sayings? Well, today we begin a brand new series. It's called uh, Bumper Sticker Theology. And uh, we actually have a free sticker uh, for you. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't say, you know, honk if you love Jesus. It just says uh, River Glen. And uh, you can pick one of these up at the Connect Wall after the service. Put it on your laptop, your water bottle. You can put it on your uh, bumper on your car. And each week during this series, we're going to talk about uh, one of these bumper sticker sayings. We're going to take a closer look and ask this question. Is it biblically sound or does it just sound biblical? Uh, because many of these sayings have enough truth uh, that they sound biblical, but do they actually match up? with the teaching in Scripture. I believe it's important for us not just to believe that everything that we read, everything that we hear is truth without really digging into it and comparing it to the light of Scripture. And that's what we're going to do in this uh, series. And here's why this is so important. First of all, because uh, people come to conclusions about God uh, because of what we say. And, and some of these conclusions are not true. Second, even though we've got good intentions, we can actually hurt other people. We can actually push other people further away from God when we use these sayings. And so here's the bumper sticker we're going to talk about today. God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. How many of you have heard that before? Or, uh, yeah, quite a few. Uh, I've, I've seen it on Facebook. I've, I've heard people say it. And you know what? I've actually said it myself. And so I had to stop and I had to ask myself, why did I say that to people? Have you ever stopped to ask or to think about why we say it? Sometimes I think we say it as a sort of a pep talk uh, to encourage somebody else. We want to tell somebody, you know, you got this. 
hang in there, don't give up. God won't give you more than you can handle. We say it to encourage other people. I think we also say it sometimes maybe as a pep talk to ourselves. I know sometimes when I've gone through some difficulties, some challenges, I, I uh, encourage myself, try to encourage myself. I try to muster up my courage uh, by thinking or by uh, saying, you know, you, you got this. God won't give me more than I can handle. And then sometimes I think if we're honest, we say it because we can't think of something else. To say Maybe somebody's going through a really difficult uh, tragedy, maybe a really difficult experience, and we think to ourselves, oh, that's awful, but we don't want to say that. That wouldn't be encouraging, and it sounds more spiritual to say God won't give you more than you can handle. But I also think there's something that we really like about what this says. I think we like it because it really feeds into the self-reliant uh, mentality that is part of our culture here in America. We really like it that we can get through anything. We have almost a superhero mentality that when we uh, go through something, whatever it is, I got it. You know, I got it myself. We love to read books about people who have pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps. We have this mentality that by relying on myself, I can get through anything. But let me ask you this. If God only gives us what we can handle, then why would we even need him? Why would we even need him? You know, if, if we buy into this superhero, self-reliant mentality, spirituality, we can begin to live as if God doesn't even matter. So where did this idea, where did this saying come from? God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, I think it comes from a uh, misinterpretation or uh, misunderstanding of a verse in the uh, New Testament in a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in the city of, of uh, Corinth. We call this letter 1 Corinthians. And here's what Paul says in chapter 10. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, as I read that verse, maybe you began to see where this saying uh, came from. I think it came from this sentence where, where it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can, can uh, bear. And over the course of time, I'm sure with good intentions, it morphed into God won't give you more than you can handle, meaning God won't give you more burdens than you can handle. But you know what? That's not what Paul says. He said God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Paul's talking about temptations here, not burdens, not difficult circumstances. I think it also helps to understand the context of this uh, verse. Paul writes to new Christians in the, in the city of Corinth, and uh, he encouraged them because they lived in a city that was filled with pagan temples where people would practice idol worship and temple prostitution. In fact, back in that day, they used the phrase to live like a Corinthian, which meant to live in drunkenness and sexual license. And so Paul encourages these, these new Jesus followers. He says, don't go back to that old way of living. It's going on all around you. You know, you're going to be, you're going to face temptation. You're going to have to deal with temptation. And God is going to help you. God is going to help you to the point that when you're tempted, he will provide a way out, which is an amazing truth. It's a beautiful truth, but it gets lost because we uh, misunderstand this verse. It's not talking about burdens 
or difficult circumstances, Paul is talking about uh, temptation. Notice how Paul says that temptation is common to mankind. You know, all of us have temptations. It might be financial dishonesty. It might be a flirtation at the office that starts out innocent, but then it's, then it's heading in a bad, a, a bad way. Maybe it's pursuing sexual intimacy outside of marriage. Maybe it's a habit that's turning into an addiction in your life. Maybe it's refusing to be generous with your finances. Maybe it's a pattern of lying or deceit. And it starts out small, but it's not small anymore. All of us deal uh, with temptations. And, uh, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll tell you about one of my temptations. I, uh, I live about a half mile from the uh, Dairy Queen in uh, Waukesha. And uh, every day I drive by that Dairy Queen and I feel this pull. I feel this temptation. They've got this Sunday with uh, hot fudge and uh, peanut butter sauce that is just in- incredible. I mean, it is, it is proof of the existence of God, I'm telling you. And so last week I'm driving by and I made a deal with God. I said, God, if there is no one in line in the drive-thru at Dairy Queen, I'll know it's your will that I stop for a Sunday. And sure enough, the seventh lap around the block, uh, the drive-thru was open and it was delicious. Yeah, I've got temptations. You know, you've got temptations, and they're, and they're powerful. But the good news of this verse is God will provide a way out. If you're struggling with an addiction, God provides a group of people to support you, a place where you can confess and come clean. God will provide a friend to pray for you. God will provide a person who lovingly holds you accountable. God will give you a sense of conviction through the Holy Spirit that this is the wrong path to take. God will provide a way out of temptation. And that's what Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He's not talking about burdens or difficult circumstances. He's talking about uh, temptations. But maybe, maybe you're thinking, oh, yeah, so what's the big deal if we you know, add some words to this verse? Or, you know, move the words around a little bit or tweak the wording to it. Because temptations and burdens are very uh, similar. And it would be very encouraging uh, to people if, 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 if it said that. But you know what? It's actually dangerous for us to perpetuate this bumper sticker saying for a few reasons. Number one, it tells us a lie about ourselves. When we believe that God won't give us more than we can handle, and then we find ourselves in overwhelming circumstances, we can hesitate to ask for help because we think, I should be able to handle this on my own. And then second, it tells us a lie about other people. When we see other people experiencing overwhelming circumstances, we begin to expect them to handle it on their own. God won't give them more than they can handle. Um, But It's not true, and we hold other people to the same unhealthy standard that we hold ourselves to. But third, it also tells us a lie about how to cope with overwhelming circumstances. God never designed us to endure life on our own. And when we encounter overwhelming circumstances, it creates a temptation to turn to unhealthy behaviors to cope with the burdens and the stress that life uh, can, can bring. It can lead us to isolate from other people. It can lead us to numbing ourselves, numbing ourselves with food, numbing ourselves with alcohol, numbing ourselves with, with overworking or busyness, numbing ourselves with shopping. So I want to tell you the truth. And although the truth may never make it to a bumper sticker, it can lead us to freedom. Here's the truth. Sometimes you will face 
more than you can handle. Sometimes you're going to face more than you can handle. You know what, if you've got a little kid, if you've got some little kids at home, uh, sometimes you're going to face more than you can handle. If you've got teenagers at home, sometimes you're going to face more than you can handle. If you're a woman married to a man, or a man married to a woman, sometimes you're going to face more than you can handle. If you're breathing, and I think that includes everybody here, you're going to face more than you can handle. But we find hope in the promise of Scripture. And the promise of Scripture is not that we escape the hard things in life. The promise of Scripture is that we don't go through them alone. If you find yourself today stuck in the middle of overwhelming circumstances, please hear me on this. You're not alone. You're not alone. This means you've got a God who loves you. You're surrounded by a God who loves you and Jesus followers who care about you. It also means that you don't have to have this superhero, I can get through it myself kind of mentality because we've got the greatest hero in Jesus. And it means when you encounter hard times, you can admit it and ask for help. God won't, God won't give you more than you can handle. Is a bumper sticker saying that's not true, but the truth is so much greater. Here's the truth. God will help you handle all that you've been given. That's true. God will never leave you. God will never abandon you. He will help you endure any circumstance that you go through. And here's how this happens. First, we need to depend on God. We, 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 we depend on him. We choose to trust God no matter our circumstances. And this isn't just blind trust. It's trust based on centuries of evidence of God never abandoning his people. In the Old Testament, the psalmist tells us that God is an ever-present help in our times of trouble. That means God stands with us no matter what circumstance we endure. In the New Testament, we read that God cares about us so much. God wants us to come to him and to bring our burdens. And we do that through prayer. Maybe prayer that's filled with fear. Maybe prayer that's filled with tears. Prayer that's filled with pain, even anger. Prayer from a broken heart. God should be our first go-to no matter how frightening our circumstances, because there's nothing that is too difficult for God to get you through. It's not too much. It's not too late. It's not too difficult. And this is one of the reasons why God sometimes allows us to experience more than we can handle, because he wants us to depend on him, to depend more on him, to draw closer uh, to him. Let me ask you, is there any area in your life right now where you feel overwhelmed? Is there any area in your life right now where you feel like, oh, this is more than I can handle. Here, here's the good news uh, for you today. God will sometimes allow you to experience more than you can handle. And some of you are thinking, that's not good news. That's awful news. No, it's good news because here's the unfortunate truth. When things are going well in our life, we tend to forget about God. We're like, I know I need you, God, but I don't really need you right now. Things are going great in my life, and I hope you keep them going great. And we don't really feel an urgency to pray or pursue God. But guess what happens when our life takes a turn for the worse? We turn to God, depending on him and drawing closer uh, to him. Think about it this way. I think depending on God is like walking up the shoreline and choosing one of these two boats. On the left is a sailboat that represents depending on God. And on the right is a rowboat that represents depending on yourself. I think if we're honest, you know, many of us would look at this and say, well, sailing would be cool, 
But, you know, it would take a lot to set up the sail and all of that, and then I'd have to wait for the wind. I'm going to just get in that rowboat, and I can get going immediately. But you're going to go a lot further uh, with, with a sailboat. You're going to run out of power. You're going to run out of strength pretty quick in a rowboat. And that's the difference between depending on God and depending on yourself. And that's why God allows you to sometimes have more than you can handle because he wants you to depend on him. He wants you to choose the sailboat so that you can endure and get through that situation. And you know what? When you're in the sailboat, when you choose to depend on God, other people are going to notice. Other people are going to watch you. And they will see God's power, God's presence in your life. And they're going to want what you have. And it will attract more people to follow God and depend on him. I want you to hear from a young man in our church named uh, Drew who has experienced some overwhelming circumstances. He had a very bad accident. Fortunately, no one else got hurt, but he has gone through, Drew has gone through a lot of pain and uh, difficulty. And uh, take a look and he'll tell you about it. Hi, my name is Drew Papas, and I am a member here at River Glen Pewaukee, that's where I call home. I was running along the, the away sideline and I had gained about 10-15 yards and I saw a linebacker that had a beat on me, he had an angle on me, I knew I wasn't going to beat him, so I tried to stiff arm him off of me and I stiff-armed him down right onto my ankle, right as I was on the sideline, right next to it. And he fell on my ankle and snapped it in half, both my tibia and my fibula. So the big bone and the little bone, much bigger on that side now. So this is the original scar on the tibia, two screws in here, and then this is the original scar on my fibula. And they put in seven screws. Thought it was just a regular tib-fib fracture, the doctor that did the original reconstruction thought that, and we find out later when I try to play some basketball after doing the rehab that it is much more than that. And um, I can't run, I can't jump, and I can't tell you the last time that I have done either of those things. In order to manage that pain, say hello to what I call my walking pharmacy. I never wanted to give up the dream and the hope of, of playing collegiate athletics. And so I, I clung to that for a long time in undergrad and then into grad school as well. Five to six months ago, I was driving home. I ran out of gas. And so I pulled off to the right shoulder and I called uh, my neighbor who um, brought me uh, a gallon of gas. And then, um, because I had had my flashers on, um, when I tried to start the car, it turns out that the battery had died. So we both looked down I-94 to make sure that there were no cars coming. Um, so that way I could move the car and put it in front. And we thought that there were no cars coming and we missed the car. And so I was T-boned in his car 
hit by a van that was going around 70 to 80 miles an hour. And it flipped the car I was in over three, four times. And I was taken flight for life to Freighter Hospital. I suffered a right AC joint, which is in your shoulder, separation, grade three separation. I punctured my right lung, and I also suffered a traumatic brain injury. And I have some more scars to match the ones on my leg right here. It seemed like life had shoved me down to the ground and then was kicking me while I was down. Like, wasn't the ankle enough, God? I remember saying that. How could you let this happen? Or why did you let this happen? So I, I, I searched for ways out of the pain. Out of the physical pain and out of the emotional pain. And um, I really did so through the use and abuse of substances. And I got to a place so low, a place that I never thought I would ever be. And I just said, I can't do it anymore. I can't take the pain anymore. I can't take the physical pain anymore. I can't take the emotional pain anymore. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do another single day of it. And I realized that there were two options, curl over and die, or get up, take the next step, and keep walking. I decided I'd keep walking. I started to see that those temporary fixes and escapes weren't going to help, that they were only making things worse, and that Jesus needed to be more than my Savior. He needed to be my Lord as well. And he has changed the way that I see the accident and everything that I've had to endure after and this terrible, terrible thing that made me so angry with God turned into this wonderful blessing of recognizing that I'm not perfect, that I can't do it on my own, that only He can heal me, that He's in charge, that I need to obey Him. And then when I did, in the baptism, in going to celebrate recovery, and giving up these addictions, and continuing to be involved at River Glen and come to church, he proved his word true. I know one thing for sure. He would have let me die if it was my time, but I'm talking to you right now. So with him, I can handle this. Joblessness, hopelessness, pain, suffering, loneliness, addiction. With him, I can conquer it. Yeah, I appreciate uh, Drew sharing his uh, story uh, with us. That's some story, isn't it? Been through a lot of, he's gone through a lot of pain, a lot of uh, difficulty, more than he could handle on his own. But he chose. He's chosen to depend on God. He's chosen to get into that uh, sailboat. And sometimes uh, that's why God allows us to experience more than we can handle on our own so that we draw closer to him and depend more on him. Here's a second way to respond when we face difficult situations that we can't handle on our own. We need to depend on God through people, through others, because God never meant for us to live life 
on our own, to get through life on our own. God designed us to do life in community with our brothers and sisters in, in Jesus. And that's why we encourage everybody to join a group in our church. It's really the best way to find community and friendship with Jesus followers who will get you through anything. That's what Drew did. That's how I met Drew. Drew joined one of our rooted groups earlier this year in Pewaukee, and on a Tuesday night they, or, or, or a weeknight, they got together, all the uh, rooted groups in Pewaukee. I came over and gave a talk, and Drew sat in the front row. He had his notebook open. He was just filling it up with insights from Scripture. And his rooted group prayed for Drew. They brought meals to Drew. The rooted group leader even opened his home and gave Drew a place to stay. Drew learned to depend on God through others through his, his, his group. And I'm telling you, if you're not in a group, if you're not on a team in this church, you are missing out. How about you? Are you part of a group or a team in this church? Let me, let me get candid uh, with you. Maybe some of you have attended for a while, and you've got an excuse. Maybe it's your schedule. But you know what? We've got groups on different days at different times. There has got to be a group. There's got to be a group that fits into your schedule. Or maybe it's pride could it be that you have <clears throat> bought into this mentality that, you know, I got it. I got it. I got it myself. But that's prideful because God never intended. He didn't design us to go through life on our own. Maybe it's fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear that you don't know anybody. But that's why our group leaders, they go out of their way to make you feel welcome. In, in their group. We're actually getting ready to launch a new season of groups next month. And uh, if you're new, we encourage you to, to, to uh, join an alpha group or a rooted group. Alpha is for those of you who are new and have questions about the faith. Rooted is for those of us who want to grow our, our faith. My wife and I joined a rooted group earlier this year, and it was awesome. I'm telling you, alpha and rooted are life-changing experiences. Don't, don't miss out. Stop at the uh, uh, Connect wall uh, after the service. If you have any questions or maybe you'd like some guidance on, on which group is, is, a, is the best fit uh, for you, you can take out your phone right now and you can sign up for an alpha group or a rooted group. And then we also have group link coming up on the weekend of September 7th and 8th where you'll have an opportunity to meet some of our leaders. It's time to stop making excuses and join a group, not because you know you have to in order to make God happy, but because this is how God created us to endure anything. Now, if you're in a group already, don't think you're off the hook, okay? Because it's not just about you know joining a group and, and attending a group, it's about uh, showing up and opening up and getting real about what you're going through in your life so that, like the scripture says, we can carry each other's burdens. Right there, that's, how, that's, what, that's what community looks like in the New Testament. We carry each other's uh, burdens and, and help each other get through our struggles together. But I want to pause for a moment just to make sure I'm clear about something. I believe God can and will get you through anything in your life, and often he will use other people to help. But I also want to acknowledge there's sometimes when you need extra help. And that's why we have the Stephen ministry in our, in our church. Stephen ministers are not professional counselors, but they go through over 40 hours of training so that they can come alongside you one-on-one -on -one when you're going through a difficult season. And they can, 
They can uh, encourage you and pray for you and listen to you. We also have Celebrate Recovery on Monday evenings to help us find freedom from our habits, hurts, and hang-ups. You can just show up on Monday night, and they will, they will welcome you into, into uh, CR Celebrate Recovery. If you'd like to find out more about meeting with a, a Stephen minister or attending Celebrate Recovery, you can stop at the uh, Connect Wall after the service. And then there are some times when we need a doctor. There are times when we're going to need a therapist to help us through challenges too. And if you'd like to, if you'd like to uh, uh, get a list of local professional Christian counselors, uh, we've got a list available at the uh, Connect Wall. You can pick that up as well. And along the way, we need to resist this lie that I should be able to handle this on my own. It is not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It is a sign of strength. And so if you need help, would you please let us know? If you need help, would you please let your small group know? I want to remind you that the point of the cross is that we can't handle everything on our own. The Apostle Paul uh, reminds us at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died on the cross for the ungodly. In our brokenness and helplessness, God sent Jesus so that we could find our way into a relationship with him because there was no way that we could that we could make a way to God on our own. There's, there's no way that we could prove our righteousness before God. And so Jesus became our righteousness that we could never uh, provide. And Jesus didn't just meet us, as, meet, our, meet, meet uh, humanity in our helplessness 2,000 years ago. Jesus still meets us in our helplessness uh, today. God will help you handle all that you have been given. And he starts by beginning a relationship uh, with us. So together, let's learn to depend on him and to depend on each other. Each weekend at River Glen, we take a moment, we call it communion, to pause and reflect and celebrate the reality that Jesus meets us in our helplessness at the cross. Because of his love and sacrifice, he makes us right with God and part of God's family. No matter what we face in, in life, we have a Savior who lived, who suffered, who died and arose again, and he can help us overcome anything that we endure. We have to endure in life. And so today, as we take communion, our communion is open to anybody who believes in Jesus. I want to challenge all of us to take a moment and thank God for healing our hopelessness. And I also want to encourage all of us to use this time to bring our burdens to God, to take that first step of depending on him and, and bringing to him um, anything, any burden that you're dealing with in your life. Let me pray for us. God, I pray for those who are with us today and are experiencing circumstances that lead them to wonder why and maybe lead them to wonder where are you. And God, I just pray that right now they would feel your love and your grace right now. May they understand that your power is perfect. Your supernatural power is perfect through Jesus. May your presence minister to everyone who is hurting. May they feel that you are who they need to know. And Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, because it's through him that all of this is possible. And we get to join in your family as brothers and sisters of Jesus. And we get to carry one another's burdens. And it's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.